Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. It is... Christmas Sunday, I suppose, the Sunday before Christmas, uh, and as generally is done at this time, churches all over the country will be taking a minute, and uh, they'll, they'll look at the Christmas story, if you will, the account of, of the Christmas event, the birth of Christ, that thing, that moment in time that we take so much uh, focus on during this time, and, and this morning, honestly, some weeks back, the Lord put a thought in my heart here uh, and that's where we're going to go today, is, is we're going to look at a few things around this account of the birth of Christ. I want to focus on one thing in particular. Uh, I had intended to deal with a few things, and it just got a little too big, and uh, nobody wants to hear that, amen, <laughs> for two hours or whatever. And, and Brett, you can say amen. And uh, we, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at one thing this morning that the Lord, I think, made big in my mind, amen. Y'all do know when I call Brett out, it's okay, he's okay with it. You okay with it? He said, give me one of these hearts. So I guess that means we're good. He and I, we have a special relationship. Amen. It's mostly abusive. All right. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I'm just teasing you, bud. Matthew chapter 2. Um, let's all stand together. I'll tell you what. Let's stand. Just 12 verses here we're going to read. I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to us and get right into the thought the Lord has for us today. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days... Of Herod the king, behold, there came, a, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young man, or for the young child, sorry. And when, he, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with, his Mary, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, God, for this day. Lord, thank you, Lord, for another day in this world that you've given us. And thank you for this church, God, where you've given us a place to gather. Thank you for every soul that's come, Lord, to be with us in church today. 
God, I know there are some here, Lord, who are who are your children, and Lord, there are probably some here, Lord, who are not your children. God, I pray this morning that you would help each of us, Lord, God, to look at the cross today. Help us, God, to survey the, the Savior, Jesus Christ, to see, Lord, what a precious and wonderful gift you've given us. God, help us, Lord, to have a heart for the service this morning. Help our minds, Lord, to be focused, God, for just a little while on these eternal things, and God, to Lay aside every weight, Lord, that might be on our hearts or minds and God, all the maybe the stressful things or, or whatever may be going on outside these four walls. God, I pray for just a time. Help us, God, to focus on You. We need You to speak to us, God. We ask Your Holy Spirit to come amongst us and to move, to breathe on us, and God, show us what we need to see. We need You, and we ask these things according to Your love, Your mercy, and Your riches in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we consider the season of Christmas, many times this morning, it has already been said, I know Brother Joe said it once, and Brother Tim said it as well as he was praying, that this is uh, called often a season of giving. Amen, a season of giving. And, uh, you know, when we think about Christmas in America, in the United States, we think about all the things that come along with that. And, and over the last decade or two or so, there's, we often talk, or you often hear people talk about the war on Christmas. You see more and more pop culture takes the word Christ out and puts an X in there. Xmas. Uh, you see people saying, well, don't, now you can't even say that. They want you to take the Xmas off and just put happy holidays. And, which is funny because holiday in itself is holy day, which is intrinsically connected to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. So they're, 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 they just can't win either way. Uh, but that, that's what they're, they're trying to do. We know that the world wants to separate this time because they like a lot of things about Christmas. They just don't like the person that Christmas is about. And we know that to be true. And, and sometimes that gets under our skin. And In fact, I have seen some Christians go as far as to stop celebrating Christmas at all in the traditional way uh, just because they're mad at the way that the world hates Christmas. Now, personally, I think that's a little bit too far to one side. You know what I mean? Uh, they don't give gifts and they, they don't do anything. They just they'll get together and pray, read the Bible, and go home, which there's nothing wrong with praying and reading the Bible. Amen. But I think that what happens is sometimes we focus on so much of what the world says about it, we miss what's right here in the Word of God. And all, a lot of the things that we think about with Christmas can be found in the account of the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. For example, when we think about Christmas, we think about spending time with family. And what we have an image of here in the Word of God is a picture of family. Amen. Pulled apart from everyone else for a time in a place such as a stable. Amen. Where literally they're alone and no one can bother them. It's just this, this child being born to this mother. And it is a precious and pure time set aside for a mother and a child. And, and so it seems appropriate that we should set aside time for our families. Amen. And for our God who is our Father in heaven. Amen. That we should spend time with those that we love and Take time and set it aside. I think that that is present in the Scripture. I think we can see that a precedence for that. Amen. That that's a good thing. I think we see a precedence for worship, don't you? You read in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 20 how that the shepherds, it said, when they returned, they returned glorifying and praising God after they saw the child. I mean, worship. Worship's present here in the passage. Worship was done here in our, in our text we just read here by those wise men when they came. They saw Him. It said that they bowed. They worshiped Him. They fell down and worshiped Him. That it is, a, it is a time of worship. Amen. Christmas should be a time of worshiping God and coming together and um, you know, 
a lot of times I think we come together around this season, around Christmas time, and we get very busy. And for example, next Sunday night after Christmas, we're, we're not going to have service here, but we are going to have service in the morning because I believe it is important at this time of year that you spend time worshiping God. Amen. Because it is God first. In fact, your family won't help you if you exclude God from your family. We need to worship God. Amen. Family is present. Worship. Rest is often considered a time of rest. And I think we can see rest occurring here with the mother and the child and, and the beasts of burden there as well. It's just a time of, it's a quiet time. You know, when I look at the scene of the manger, it's a quiet place. It's a, it's a secluded place. It's a place where nobody knew where they were. God had to literally send a star to guide them to where He was because they were so secluded from everyone else. It's a time of rest and a time of setting aside. But I think that... The thing that we think about first when we think about Christmas, let's be honest, is the gifts. It's the first thing that comes to mind because of where we live, because of the culture, and because of all those things. In fact, there's such a, there's such a focus on gifts that sometimes people get frustrated with that. Amen? In fact, it'd be easy to do so, wouldn't it? It'd be easy to look at the commercialization of Christmas and, and, and Santa Claus and all those things and say, Man, it is way too much about gifts. But can I tell you that Christmas is all about gifts? And when I say Christmas, I don't mean what we would call American Christmas. I'm talking about the Christmas story is all about a gift. 100% it's about a gift. Now, has that been twisted and turned by the world? Sure, they like to twist and turn everything that God does. But when we look at the story of the birth of Christ, the account of this event... That really happened some 2,000 plus years ago where a child was truly born in a stable, lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was a time of giving and receiving gifts. We're going to look at that this morning. And as I kind of thought about this idea of giving gifts and how that this time of Christmas is such a season of giving, that that is what is, it is, it is sort of revolving around I believe that our Bible teaches us that that is proper and right. And I want to show you some things that the Bible teaches us we should be giving and receiving during the time of Christmas and throughout all the year. Amen. Amen. I think about that, that story, the Christmas carol and Scrooge, how once he had been converted, saved, it's a salvation story, he said, I'll do my best to keep Christmas all the year. And that's what we should do. The spirit of Christmas is a spirit of giving. And that is what we're going to look at this morning, particularly in one specific area. Because like I said, I, I, the Lord has kind of shown me a lot of things in this passage I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm probably going to deal with maybe a little more of it tonight and maybe even Wednesday, depending on how the Lord leads. But I want to look at one in particular, one gift. And when I say it, you might think it's kind of weird. But when I look at the account of all these different individuals that come into play at the time of Christmas... There is a key thing that is being given, and it is the gift of submission. So what does that mean? Obedience. The Christmas story is surrounded by people being obedient. I want to show that to you, and hopefully it will be a help to you this morning. First, I want you to see the submission, the obedience of Mary in Luke chapter 1. Turn with me if you've got your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we have an account, a, a further looking into the account of the birth of Christ. And in verse number 26 of Luke chapter 1, 
The Bible says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now when we read this, we've read it and we've heard it preached and we've thought about it so many times. We've seen productions and Christmas plays and, and TV specials and all kinds of things that have read this story and considered these things. And when we hear things like the virgin birth, it just kind of washes over us. But imagine for a second that you're Mary. A young, engaged, espoused to be married, virgin woman who has never known a man, and suddenly an angel appears to you and tells you that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. I mean, really think about that. Now, as a man... I can't exactly picture giving birth to any son, much less the Son of God. But as a woman this morning, I would imagine, as you consider, especially those who are mothers and some who aren't, say, what would that be like if an angel came to me and said, before you're ever, before you're ever married to no man, you are going to give birth, and this child you're going to give birth to will have been planted inside your womb by the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be the literal Son of God who will be the King of the whole world. Imagine the stress that set in on her at the moment as she thought, how exactly is this going to go down? And like, is this going to be a God that's going to be born? Or am I going to have a baby? What's this going to be? Is he going to look like a human? Or is he going to look, what does God look like? Imagine you're this woman and you say, am I supposed to raise this child? Can you imagine the responsibility of raising God's son? Maybe God's going to check in every once in a while and see how things are going. Well, you know, did you spank him? Amen. These are the human questions that I have to imagine are going to go through this woman, this young woman. She's not a seasoned woman who has birthed 10 children and knows how to raise kids. She doesn't have a clue. She's not even, I mean, she's never born a child. She is brand new to this. And suddenly, before she can even get married and, and be settled in as a wife, She's going to be a mother to God's son. I dare say that most of us would probably be freaked out a little bit by that prospect. Maybe even saying, God, you've got the wrong girl. What about this one? I know this lady. She's a sweet lady. She don't see any of that. 
She asks one question. She says, how am I going to know, you know, what, 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 what is going, what's going on? How, how will this be? How is this possible? And then the angel explains it. And then what is her answer? Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. You know what a handmaid is? A servant. You know what she did? She submitted herself to God. We think about it like it's just some foregone conclusion, but I think in that moment, she had to submit in her heart. Now, God chose wisely. God chose the right woman for the job. But in that moment, y'all do know that Mary is not a co-redemptress. Y'all know that she is not a, a God being. She's just a young girl that God chose to do something miraculous with, and she said, whatever you say. She submitted herself to God to birth a child. Say, well, you know, what, what a privilege. What a wonderful privilege. Was Mary's life really all that privileged? What do you think her husband's going to say? What are all her friends and family members going to say when her husband comes out and says, she's with child and it's not mine? You don't think that crossed her mind in that culture? That was a death sentence. That was it for her. You don't think that crossed her mind? But you know what her response was? Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I'm just your servant. I'm your handmaid. And in the moment of the Christmas account, Mary decides in an instance of, let me just tell you, whether you can see it that way or not, had to be the scariest moment of her. I mean, an angel just appeared in her room. The scariest moment of her whole life, thinking this could ruin my life, or this could make my life something great. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't need, I don't, maybe I'm dreaming right now. But I'm just going to submit to God and say, God, whatever you want to do with me, I am yours. Do as you will. What a perfect picture of obedience. It's no wonder that God tells us in the book of Samuel, that obedience is better than sacrifice because there's no sweeter savor to God than when God instructs His children to do something and they gladly obey. We see not only the submission of Mary, we see the submission of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn over there with me real quickly, we'll read some verses here. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18, we have... Uh, again, the account of the birth of Christ. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ uh, was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David... Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, we'll just, just pause for just a moment here. Here is Joseph, this man. He is looking at his beautiful young bride, and he is thinking about his future with this young woman, and all these things are about to happen. And then suddenly, before they can ever come together as husband and wife, she's pregnant. And she's saying that it was God that did it. <laughs> as a man... I'd have been a little skeptical. Was it really God? Was it really God? Really, it was God. Well, she said it was, but you know what? He didn't believe her. 
Look at it. What does it say? It says there in verse number 19 that Joseph was a just man and he was not willing to make her a public example. So he was not going to drag her out in the street like the adulterous woman. But he was going to put her away privately. You know what that means? He was going to get this thing nipped in the bud real quiet-like. Wasn't going to make a public example, but he was not going to marry that woman. He was not going to keep her as a wife. He was going to put her away, which meant he was essentially going to divorce her, even though it wasn't really a divorce since they hadn't come together. He was going to have an annulment, if you will, an annulment of their marriage before they could ever come together, put her away, and then move on and get on with his life because he didn't believe her. He said, she's crazy, which is what most men would say. If, they, if a woman said, the Holy Ghost has conceived a child within me, they'd say, you're crazy. And he said, I, I'm not going to make a public example because he was a good man and not a mean-spirited evil man. He was a just man, but he did not believe her. And so the Lord sent an angel to speak to him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take this woman as your wife. She's a good woman because she has conceived of the Holy Ghost. Look there in verse 21. She shall bring forth a son. Now shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying... Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So what's Joseph do? He, it's, he has a dream. Y'all ever had a dream? How many dreams have you ever had and then got up the next morning and did everything that you thought you should do when you was in that dream? This was not a normal dream. I would advise most of you not do what your dreams tell you to do. Most of them are just crazy, especially if you have pizza late at night, if you're anything like me. But Joseph had a dream, and an angel comes to him in the dream and says, it's okay, don't be afraid to marry this woman. She's going to have a son. He's the son of God. He's going to save their people from their sins. And when he was born, name him Jesus. What's Joseph do? He submits to God. He gets up, he goes to Mary, well, I had a dream last night, and I think you're telling the truth. So we're going to have this, we're going to have this baby, and I'm not going to touch you until it's over. That's submission. That is submission. That is obedience. That is faith. That is trusting God. And then you know what? He had a son, and guess what he did? He named that boy what the angel told him to. Every part that he was instructed to do, he did. What a good man. Amen. What a good man who is willing to lay his will down at the feet of someone else from time to time. It's not easy as a man sometimes to do that, is it? It's not easy as a woman sometimes to do that, to lay down your will and say, look, I'm trusting that you know what's best and whatever you think needs to be done, that's what we're going to do. But guess what? That's what Joseph did with his wife and this child. And he took on the responsibility of filling a role as a father figure in that boy's life, a child who was not his, who now he knew to be the son of God. Nobody would have blamed Joseph for saying, ah, I'm out on this. If he's really God's son, then God can raise him. Does that sound like a human thing to say? But you know what he did? He submitted. He said, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. And he did. 
We see not only the submission of Mary and Joseph, but the submission in our, our text verses we read here in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 2. We see uh, the wise men, the submission of these wise men. These men, they come traveling from the east, and they come there to the king of Israel, to Herod, and they, they speak there with him. And Herod and all of Jerusalem, it says, they're wigging out over this idea that this child has been born. They're thinking, how come we didn't know about this? And they're sending this wise man over these wise men. And he tells them, go find them. And when you do, when you find the baby, let me know where he is because I want to come worship him too. And they go there. Verse 9 tells us when they, they heard the king, they, they departed. And there was the star which they saw. They saw it again. They followed it and it stopped. And they went there to the stable there where they found Mary and the child waiting. There in verse 11, they were coming to the house. They saw the young child with Mary's mother, fell down and worshipped it. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. We see the submission of these men that they come looking for this child who is to be the king of the Jews, and they wind up speaking to the current king. Y'all do know that Herod did not want to come worship Jesus, right? Y'all do know that he was a devil. Well, these guys didn't. They thought, well, he's an he's a Israelite, the king of the Jews, and we're going to go find him. But then they get there, and what happens? The Lord comes to them in a dream. Don't tell Herod where he is. So what do they do? They go the long way around, go back home. And in doing so, they put their own lives in danger. What happens if the king of Israel finds out that they didn't do what he told them to do? Well, they're as good as dead. But you know what they do? They submit. Why? Why would they do that? God is trying to show us something here. Throughout this whole story, you know what we've got? People submitting to who? To God. Mary in this story, in the account of Jesus' birth, she's not submitting to Joseph. She's submitting to the will of God. Now, it's not to say that a wife is not commanded to submit to her own husband. She is, but that's not what the picture of this story is. It's about submitting to God. And she submitted before Joseph did. Can you see that? She submitted. Then we see Joseph. He says, ah, no. That's, mm. But then an angel comes. What's he do? He submits to God. The wise men, they come traveling from far, and they go to Israel. They, they go to Jerusalem. Where, where is this child? And what do the, the Scriptures say? It's funny. They're asking about the Scriptures, and all the knotheads in Jerusalem are going, oh, no. I thought y'all were God's people. You should be excited. When they see the star, they're rejoicing with exceeding great joy. Meanwhile, Herod's back there wringing his hands. What a dummy. They find the Son of God lying in a manger, and guess what? Here comes a message. Don't tell Herod. Can't trust them. So they submit to God. Great pictures of submission. But you know what the most powerful and interesting and convicting picture of submission is in this chapter, in these chapters we've read? It's the baby. Say, the baby. It's just a baby. No. The baby is the Son of God. And Jesus was not created in a manger. The submission of Jesus Christ is the gift and the story that we need to see today. I want you to see quickly the identity of the child. Who is this kid? John chapter 1 verse 3 says this, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Who? The baby. 
that baby, that little baby wrapped in the blanket, lying in a manger, the one that's crying out, the one that's, whose mother is feeding him and holding him and not speaking any words, I'm sure, and just that little baby, that little baby's not submitting to anything. It's just a baby. No. That's not a baby. That's the Son of God. The story of Christmas is not the story of a baby. It's the story of the Son of God. The identity of that baby is not in its little flesh. Its identity is in being one part of the Trinity. He's the Son of God. In Genesis chapter 1 when He said, uh, Let us make man. That was Him. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That was Him. He was there. Without Him was not anything made that was made. He's the Son of God. He is the Word of God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. Isaiah 9, 6, as we often quote during this time, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You say, but not yet, that's just a baby. No, no. He was those things long before He was born in a manger. He was God, the Son, the wonderful counselor. That's Him. He is almighty and powerful, beginning and the end. He was all those things. He was Jesus there in creation, the Son of God, the Word of God. He was the Son of God in Daniel chapter 3 inside the fiery furnace. He's the Son of God, and He's been there. He's been around for a very long time. This is a picture of not His birth in the way that we imagine a birth as a creation of new life. This is not so much a birth in the way that we view a birth. It is an incarnation. It is a putting on of flesh. It is He that was once a spirit is now body, soul, and spirit. That's His identity. But then we see the intention of the child. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What did that angel tell Joseph? Don't put her away. Keep her to your wife. She's going to have this child. He shall save his people from their sins. Paul said this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What was the intention of that baby? You say, well, the, the intention of that baby was to eat, sleep, use the bathroom, and do it again tomorrow. That's a baby, right? That was not that baby. Inside that child is a part of God, God the Son. We think about Jesus, we think about His birth and that moment and that miraculous thing. And it's miraculous. But before he was placed inside the womb, he was in heaven with God the Father. And there was a conversation amongst the Trinity of the Father's will. The Father's will is that the Son would become a human. A human. Are you all still with me? I won't be long now, but I want to read something to you. It's a passage from a commentary I read this morning on 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, which we just read, that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. 
The important issue of Christmas is not so much that Jesus came, but why He came. There was no salvation in His birth, nor did the sinless way He lived His life have any redemptive force of its own. His example, as flawless as it was, could not rescue men from their sins. Even His teaching, the greatest truth ever revealed to man, could not save us from our sins. There was a price that had to be paid for our sins. Someone had to die. Only Jesus could do it. Jesus came to earth, of course, to reveal God to mankind. He came to teach truth. He came to fulfill the law. He came to offer His kingdom. He came to show us how to live. He came to reveal God's love. He came to bring peace. He came to heal the sick. He came to minister to the needy. But all those reasons are incidental to His ultimate purpose. He could have done them all without being born as a human. Is that true? Could Jesus have come down and taught us as a spirit? Sure. Could He have healed people as a spirit? Yeah. Could He have done all those things, fulfilled the law and and proved all these things to God and, and accomplished all these things as a spirit, as God, without becoming human? Yeah. He could have simply appeared like the angel of the Lord often did in the Old Testament and accomplished everything in the list above without actually becoming a man. But He had one more reason for coming. He came to die. Here's a side to the Christmas story that isn't often told. Those soft little hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, they were made so that the nails might drive them through. Those babies' feet, pink and unable to walk, would one day stagger up a dusty hill to be nailed to a cross. That sweet infant's head with sparkling eyes and eager mouth was formed so that someday men might force a crown of thorns onto it. And that tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be pierced by a spear because Jesus was born to die. Say, man, what a picture of submission in Mary, and what a picture of submission in Joseph. What about God the Son? Perfect, holy, sinless, almighty, the Creator. As He went into that womb, and we picture that moment of Christmas, it's a beautiful image. We put up nativity scenes. We read the Christmas story, and it's wholesome, and it's beautiful. But the intention of His submission was to suffer and die. That's the whole reason for it. And y'all do know He didn't have to. Sometimes we think, well, it was his job. No. You know, he told Satan, he said, I could. (laughs) Satan said, why don't you call up those 10,000 angels? He said, I. No. Why? I've come to do the will of my father. I've come to do the will of my father. What was the will of his father? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came not into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to do the will of His Father. Why did Jesus go and die and do all those things? Because the Father wanted Him to.
the same one that Mary, Joseph, and the wise men were submitting to, Jesus was also submitting to. You're the Son of God. You've got all power. The Bible says all power is given unto Him. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He has come. One day He's going to set up His kingdom. He's got everything. and He lays it all aside to become like you and me. To roll out of bed with back pain and sore feet. Be hungry and thirsty and feel sorrow. Why? It's the will of His Father. What a picture of submission. The imparting of the child is the gift, and the gift is submission. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, very simply says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because He was God, but made Himself of no reputation and took on Him, took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Obedience is eternally exemplified in Christ. He submitted Himself not just to become a human, not just to lay aside His glory, but to die the death of a murderer and a thief and to suffer for you and for me at the will of the Father as a lamb before His shears, so He opened not His mouth. He went and He bore your sorrows and He bore our pain. And that is why He was a babe in a manger. He came to die. That's the gift of submission, and there is also in this the gift of salvation. The song says, Was e'er a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. Not one. God the Father gave His only Son to us the most precious thing He had to give. What a perfect and pure gift. Have you been saved? If you've been saved this morning, say amen. amen. Ephesians tells me in Ephesians 2.8 that for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. The gift of God to us was His Son for our salvation. And everyone that just said amen in here, everyone who at one point or another has bowed and has asked the Lord to save them has with the heart, believeth in the righteousness, with the mouth, confessions made into salvation. You have been saved. You are a part of the family of God. You have received the gift of Christ. Let me encourage you that what Christ did for God is He gave 
his whole life to him. When Christ, the Son of God, submitted to become a human being, his life from that moment forward changed that he was the Lamb of God until the moment when he returns and becomes the Lion. And that's it. He suffered and died and was obedient to the death of the cross, Paul said. He submitted his whole life to God. You have been given eternal life. You have been given the Holy Spirit within yourself. What have you given of yourself to God? If all you have given to God is obedience unto faith and salvation, there is so much more that He wants you to give. Right? I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That after all He's given you and all He's done for you, it is reasonable that we should give all we have to Him. When my children were born, both of them, we took them before the church back at my dad's church when when I was still just a member there, and, and my dad preached a charge to us as children, and I promised my children to him. You know why? Because everything I have is his. He gave me everything he had. He gave me his breath, his blood, his life, and salvation with it. Everything I have is his. My children are his. My home, it's his. My wife is his. My life is his. Because... If I, if I can just give myself to Him, maybe it'll be worth something to Him. What are you giving to Him of yourself? He gave all for you. All for you. Even the death of the cross for you. What are you giving to Him and what are you holding back? The Christmas account is an account of submission to God. God I'm a young woman. You want my, my body, my whole life, maybe even my home and my marriage? I'm your handmaid. God, my wife says that she's pregnant. You want me to trust you that it is yours and you want me to raise this boy who is yours? God, whatever you say. These wise men, we've traveled, we've given them what we've got. Don't, we can't trust. You want us to go a different way? You want us to put our lives at risk? Whatever you say, God, it's the least we can do. There's some here this morning maybe who this might as well be an episode of 2020 or a Christmas special and you don't really care because you've never even received the gift. Can I tell you this morning? He's given everything. And you know who's given it for? You. When that angel appeared to Joseph, he said, this boy that you're going to raise... The reason He's coming is to save His people from their sins. That's you. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. The only difference between you and me, if you don't know Him, is that I've received the gift and you haven't. And in here this morning, we've got big trees decorated and we want to make the church look beautiful and and we want it to shine and that's all great and wonderful. But can I tell you this morning, the gift is not under one of these trees. The gift can be found right up here. It can be found in those pews. It can be found out in fields, out on your knees, or by a bedside, or in a graveside, or in a hospital bed. And it's the gift of salvation. And it's the whole reason that that little baby was born. 
the whole reason. How long will you wait? How long will you put it off? How long will you ignore the preaching? How long will you shut him out and push him away before you finally submit? He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. The old song said, If I were, yet what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part, yet what can I give him? I would give my heart. That's what he wants from you this morning. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.